You're listening to audio from Calvary Gravenhurst in Muskoka, Ontario. For more resources or to connect with someone in the church, please visit calvarygravenhurst.com. This week's sermon is taught by pastor of Next Generations, Mark Hockley. Good morning, everyone. My name is Pastor Mark, and it's a privilege to be with you this morning, opening God's Word together. I'm excited about our topic today. Um, I'm always excited about our topic whenever we get the chance to open God's Word. That's always something special, and I always look forward to what He's got in this text for me. Um, Today, uh, we wish that we could be in person together. That would be fantastic. We, We miss being apart, and yet we're looking forward to the day when we can get back together Um, Again, our title for today is, What Do I Do When I Have No Strength Left? And the passage that we're reading is Isaiah chapter 40, verses 27 through 31. So you can turn there, if you would like, because that's where we are going to start today. And so what, what should you do when you are exhausted? What do you do when you're tired and you're busy and you feel like you've got nothing left? Or how about when you're emotionally exhausted? COVID has hit us all very differently as we deal with changes in our work and in our lives and in our finances and our family situations and friend groups with extracurriculars almost all gone out the window. And as we deal with the tensions in our world and we see this divide in thinking and we can sense it even within our own family and friends and church and that can be emotionally exhausting. There's also another aspect of COVID that hits our emotional side. I was at a pastor's lunch um, at the, the start of the pandemic, and a pastor who had worked in Japan for a number of years drew an interesting comparison. He said that one of the things that missionaries experience that is always very difficult to overcome is culture shock because it's exhausting. And the reason that he said it's exhausting for them when his family went to Japan is because everything looked the same. All the same amenities were there. Everything was still available, and yet life was completely different. Their brain didn't have the capacity to go on to autopilot, even though everything looked the same, because everything was different. And so it took up so much more mental energy just to make it through the same daily tasks, because everything you had to think about And that's what he likened to COVID. Many of us are experiencing this or have experienced this throughout the pandemic is this culture shock, right? Things are much the same and yet simple tasks like getting groceries or going to work or not going to work or even just interacting with people has left us feeling exhausted at different points in COVID. And for some of you, that might be right now. Or maybe you are in the spot right now where you are feeling spiritually dry. There's a disconnect between your head and your heart. Your head desperately wants to love God and feel close to him, but your heart just isn't there. You know the right things to do. You know to read your Bible and to pray and to gather in Christian community, etc., 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 but you are just feeling spiritually drained. You're in a tough place and you want a way out, but you don't know how. So what do you do? And if you're not in this spot right now, I encourage you, don't tune out. Because I guarantee you that there's somebody in your life right now who needs this truth. 
as a society, we can look around. It's quite plain and obvious to see that in general, we are not doing well. And people are experiencing that at varying points and to varying degrees. But I think we'd be kidding ourselves if we all said we didn't feel some sort of weakness, some sort of exhaustion, or some sort of spiritual dryness at some point in the last year. I think it's also inevitable that even if you've been really strong through this whole thing, that at some point you're going to feel something. You're going to find yourself asking the questions that we're asking today. And this topic for me, it's, um, it's personal. When Pastor Ben said you can speak on whatever you want and took a lot of time to pray and think about it. And I'm bringing this to you um, because these are things that I have experienced in the past year. I have felt the highs of feeling close to um, God, but also that gap of feeling, um, feeling that spiritual dryness, even though you know what your heart um, wants. It's just, it, there, there's a disconnect. They're not there. And so I'm speaking from experience, and I'm standing here before you right now saying, you know what, I feel tired. These past few months have been hard. Right? Figuring out ministry in COVID has been challenging and it started to take its toll. And as you might expect, the wedding industry has not been kind um, to my wife and then therefore to our family. And so this is real. And right now this is real for me. And so the things that I share with you today are things that both that God has taught me and God is teaching me right now. So let's pray and we'll get into all of this. God, I thank you. Lord, that you are good. God, we thank you that you are good even when life is hard. And Lord, I pray that you would help us today to open up our hearts and be honest with ourselves. Lord, about where we are at. God, and how desperately we need you always. God, that we would admit um, that we are not perfect, but that we need to rely on your strength. God, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you care. We thank you that you meet us where we are at. We are so grateful for that. I pray that through the power of your word, God, you would um, rejuvenate us, Lord, and build us into a body um, that continues to, to love you and proclaim your name um, to Gravenhurst in Ontario and Canada and beyond. Lord, thank you for allowing us to partner in the work of the gospel for, the, for your glory and your name. Amen. So let's read Isaiah chapter 40, verses 27, starting there. Um, I'm going to read from the NASB. You're going to notice a couple of things that, um, if you're reading a different translation, I just think it's very helpful for our conversation today. Isaiah 40, starting at verse 27. Why do you say, Jacob, and you assert Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God? Do you not know, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become tired or weary. His un understanding is unsearchable. He gives strength to the weary, and to the one who lacks power, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. 
And so let's look at this text and figure out what God is saying to us. So let's start at verses 27 and 28. They raise two questions that sometimes can come into our mind when we are worn down. And the first one is this. Has God forgotten me? And you see there, my way is hidden from the Lord. In your moment of weakness, have you ever felt like God has forgotten you? And the second one is this. You can see it there just below. It seems that God is dismissing me. Is God dismissing me? Have you ever asked yourself that question? The justice do me escapes the notice of my God? Right? There's this justice that I feel that I should be receiving from God, and yet it doesn't look like he, he even knows or even cares. Have you ever felt this? Have you ever said either out loud or in your heart, doesn't he know all that I've done for him, and now in my hour of need, it feels like he has abandoned me? And I think these thoughts, um, they really can serve two purposes here in the text. Here's the first one. I think the first thing is that it exposes the frailty of our faith, right? So often when life is hard, we tend to blame God. And the second thing, and this is going to be shown in the rest of our passage, I think is it also shows the absurdity of faithlessness in the midst of our weakness. So these tired thoughts are shown to be untrue. As the author goes on to describe who God is, right? God is eternal. He's omnipresent. He's untiring. He's wise. He's the creator, right? And part of the creator that we don't often think about is the fact that you are deeply and intimately known by God because he is your creator. So often we think of him as creating the heavens and the earth and everything in it, but he has created you and he knows you more than anyone Let's move on here in verse 29. And so it's because of who God is and because you are known by him, because he's your creator, that he gives you what you need. And so we see um, in verse 29 here, this idea, this Hebrew idea that's being brought up again, that he gives strength to the weary and to the one who lacks, he might increase power. So he gives strength. And this is not something that's done on a whim. It's not an occasional thing, but it's part of who God is. He's not just like throwing out power balls like we're in a video game and you need a boost of energy. He wants you to constantly rely on him because he knows you, he created you, and he knows that you need it. God is the source of our strength. And so you see here that it says, though youths grow weary and tired. Why, why, why youths grow weary and tired? Because every human's weak, right? Every human needs strength. And why youth? Because they have the most energy. That's why they use youth, right? I can remember back to my university days, and I could stay up till 3 in the morning playing video games and go out and get first breakfast at 3 in the morning and then go to bed and wake up and get second breakfast and not be phased, Right? Those days are long gone. I am now old and staying up till 11, it takes me a week to recover. And so I'm in this quandary right now um, because as many of you know, I'm a sports nerd. And so next week um, is the NFL draft. And that is one of the sports nerdiest nerd things. It's like the Super Bowl for nerds. And so I'll be staying up till 11, but I know that I'm going to pay for it all week. 
because I am old, I am no longer a youth. And though youths grow tired and weary, let's look at this. The Hebrew word for weary here gives the idea of exhaustion because of the hardness of life. Exhaustion because of the hardness of life. Does that sound anything like what we've been talking about? And I want you to notice that second word there too. It says tired. And normally sometimes we don't always think about these words because in English they're not that different. And so we think, oh, they're just sort of repeating things to get a point across. But it gives a very different idea. The Hebrew word there that's translated into tired means failure due to a loss of inherent strength. And I think there are times that this can lead to spiritual dryness because we have lost our inherent strength. We have lost connection to the source. We just saw in the verses before, he is the one who gives strength. So when we've lost our inherent strength, why do you think we lost it? It's because we've lost that connection to the source of our strength. So let's think back to our intro. What do you do when you're feeling weak? What do you do when you have no strength left? What do you do when you are exhausted from the hardness of life? We can be honest. Life, especially right now, is hard. What do you do when you're weak because you've lost that inherent strength? What happens when that weakness and that loss of strength shows up in your faith? What do you do? Look at the text. You wait on the Lord. Because those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength. Strength that comes from the source. Right? Strength that comes from God. And now you might say, Mark, that's very touching. Um, but that phrase is so ambiguous. What does it mean to wait on the Lord? And so let's do it. Let's get into it. Let's answer the two big, let's answer that question to the two big questions that we've been asking, right? For when you're tired because life is hard, or you feel this gap between your head and your heart, right? Knowing how you want to feel about God and how you actually feel in this moment. What does it look like to wait on the Lord? We're going to break this up into two categories. We're going to do some high-level spiritual stuff, and then we'll do some practical spiritual stuff. Um, hopefully that will make sense to you. Um, you can turn for a second to Psalm chapter 42, verse 5. Psalm chapter 42, verse 5. Um, while you're turning, I'll give you a little bit of context. David is in exile. Um, he's in the wilderness, and he writes this gut-wrenching psalm that um, you can just feel in your soul as you read it. Take a look at Psalm 42, verse 5. It says, Why are you in despair, my soul? You can just picture David just like yelling this out in the wilderness as he writes, Why are you in despair, my soul? And why are you restless within me? Wait for God. I will again praise him for the help of his presence, my God. You can see that David is basically in a fight with himself. He's in a fight with himself. And it shows the gap. It shows the gap. Why are you in despair, my soul? He's saying, look, my soul is in despair. 
and it's restless. I'm not doing okay. And yet I know I need to wait on the Lord so that again I will praise him. It's almost like he's trying to convince himself because he knows what his, he's like convincing his soul, God, this is what you have to do. And so this is what I'll do. And so what do you do when you're in this moment, when you feel this gap between your head and your heart? A couple things I want to give to you. You stand in the grace of God and you walk in obedience to God. Why the grace of God? The grace of God because the spiritual forces of darkness are going to be coming after you, trying to tell you that your faith isn't real and that you should just give up. Think about Pilgrim's Progress. That kind of an idea, right? Where they're just slinging lies left, right, and center at you. Your faith doesn't matter. It was never real in the first place. God doesn't love you. You need grace in that moment to acknowledge that you're not perfect and in that moment of not being perfect that you can know that you still love God and God still loves you. And why obedience? Because obedience is doing all the things that the being who knows you best in the whole universe has laid out and told you this is what's best for you. He is the source of your strength and obedience is the roadmap to renewal. You're not going to find your strength to be renewed in anything other than obedience to Christ. And so what do you do while you wait? I'll give you a few things. The first one, if you remember from a couple weeks ago, Pastor Ben, uh, he gave a powerful message about fasting. If you feel that gap between your heart and your head, or you're so worn down and you've got nothing left, this is a time to fast. This is a time to show God, I am serious, God. I want to love you more than I ever have before. And yet right now in this moment, I feel like David felt my soul is in despair. I'm restless. I know what I need to do and I'm just not there yet. You fast and wait on the Lord. What else can you do? You can pray. You can pray. Ask God for things that you know are true, both from his word and in your experience. Ask God to restore the joy of your salvation. Do you remember what it was like when you were first saved? Do you remember that joy when when your eyes were like, it was like they were opened up and you were like, man, I just got saved from my sin. I just got saved from death. There's a God up there who loves me so much that he died for me. This is crazy. And there was a joy inherent in your life. It was the joy of your salvation. Ask God to restore the joy of your salvation. Ask God to make him your treasure once again. Right? The same sort of thing happens right in that parable, right? It's like the guy goes out, he finds his treasure in the field, he goes, sells everything so he can have the field because he wants the treasure so badly. Ask the, ask the Lord to make him your treasure again. Here's another one. 
Be honest about where you are. Tell God you're struggling. Hint, he already knows. So it's not for him. It's good for your soul. It's good for your soul. We always say it, and yet it's true. Right? To admit it is the first step. And then you wait. You wait on the Lord. You wait for that promise to be fulfilled. This is a promise that those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. A couple practical things here for you to consider as we talk about waiting and what it looks like and how to do it and what to do while you're waiting. Here's the first one. Before we get too far into this, I want to I give you this. Um, this is from Matt Chandler. I think I've given you this before. He has a saying, I just really like it because I think it's good um, in context of the gospel and also in the context of what we're talking about. For people that don't know God, and also for those of us who do know God and yet find ourselves in this place, is that it's okay not to be okay. It's not okay to stay there. Right? And we need to admit, we need to admit that it's okay not to be okay. Right? We need to know that it is okay not to be okay. We can't think that we're always going to be perfect. But we also can't stay there. We also can't stay there because some of us consciously or unconsciously keep ourselves there in a place where it's not okay. We can't do that either. Here's some things that I noticed in my life and being tired and feeling worn down, things that have um, caused me not to do. Here's a couple of them. And one of the things I noticed about it this state in being in the state is it caused me um, not to contend for relationships or deal with conflict or disagreements, to settle for things just being okay rather than things being great. Right? Because when you're tired, that idea feels exhausting. And so it's easier just to retract, but it's not what's good and right. Another thing, and this might be obvious, but sometimes in our faith, it, we can just do the bare minimum. Rather than seek God fervently, we can just do the bare minimum to get by, or maybe not at all, where we drop into that gap. This one sort of um, goes along with the first one. Um, But the other thing that I found is it's easier to interact with people that you have the same views on because disagreeing well takes lots of energy. And yet God has never called us just to only be around people that think like us. Right? Whether that's Christians, non-Christians. That's not what we're called to do. And so we can't stay in this place of being not okay. Here's another one. It goes along with it. So it's to admit that you're not Okay. Right? That's the first step. We have to admit that we're not okay. We said that in our prayer. It's also good to do with other people, with Christians around us in our life. Right? See, because here's the reality. Most of the time, you aren't fooling anyone. And if you do succeed, if you do succeed at everyone thinking that you're, you're great and you've got it all together and you're super strong and everything's perfect... 
what have you really gained? I guess you've managed to preserve your image as someone who has it all together. But at what cost? I'd say it's probably at the cost of your spiritual health and at the cost of living in obedience. Because that's not what God's called you to do. That's not what he's called me to do. He hasn't called you to project an image of strength when you are weak. He hasn't called you to push out people around you because that's what happens, right? The more that we try to project it, we just push people around or manage things instead of being real and honest and vulnerable about where we're at. So that bleeds into our next one is that Christian community is a necessity. We were not meant to walk the Christian life alone. We have treated Christianity as something that's optional to do together and it's just not true, it's a lie. We are a body. And so often we talk about salvation as this individual individual aspect wish I could speak when instead we're meant to be a body it's not an individual thing when you are born into Christ when you are made new you are instantly in the body it's really not a very individual practice And so we've got to stop treating it as something that is optional. It's not. And so practically, what does this look like? Here's what I've told people as we walk through different things, through serving and small groups and lots of things. Breaks are okay. There's nothing sinful about taking a break, right, for a week or two from serving or in a small group. You miss a week here or there. But my exhortation to you is to fight to stay in real Christian community. Right? That's, that's gathering at church, being in small groups, living intentional life. And that's hard. This is hard when you're feeling like what we're talking about. But when it's hard, it's when you need it the most. So recluding back to try to say, you know what, I'm just going to take care of myself and save all my extra energy just to try to deal with stuff that's not actually going to help as much as you think. It's okay for a moment. It's good, it's good for a moment. But it's not a long-term thing. It's not a long-term solution. Sometimes if you make your break too long, it can accidentally become that. If you think about this, in the context of the Sahara Desert, right, in the herd, the, the animals that will live in herds, they live in packs. The herd mentality is the most beneficial to the animals who aren't doing well, right, that need the rest and the healing. That's when, become, that's when living in community, living in a body, means the most to those animals when they're tired, when they're hurt. When they're worn down, that's when it means the most. Because they need the love and the care and the protection of those who in that moment are strong. And who is weak and who is strong in that moment is going to cycle through that herd. And it's part 
of living together. Here's another one that God has been teaching me through this is to be completely honest. Because here's what I found in others and also in myself that some of us are really good at speaking one side of the truth, but not the other. And here's what I mean by that something that God has been teaching me to say in these past few months, as I've felt worn down and that I've just felt really tired is that life is hard and God is good. And both of those truths need to be together. See, because here's what happens. If we only talk about how life is hard, right? we're being really honest, and honesty is good, and we can tell ourselves that, but if we only ever talk about life is hard, then we start to get this focus that's all on us and our problems, and we can become consumed by them. And that's not a healthy place to be. Always thinking about yourself. And we know that intrinsically, right? It's difficult to be with people that are constantly talking about their problems only and not concerned with the welfare of others. But here's the other side. If we only ever talk about how God is good, it is true, God is good. We can say amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Every Christianese phrase you want to throw out there. But if we only do that, it can end up being this mask where just all the time, just all the time, God is good, God is good, all God is good, but we never acknowledge the pain. We never acknowledge our weakness. We never acknowledge the hard things that we're going through. And we can just end up looking fake. That's not what we want to do as a church. Right? We want to live authentic faith. And the power of God is put on display when people can see that life is hard, but God is good. So I encourage you to be completely honest. When someone asks, hey, how are you doing? Here's my last one in this section. Pray for strength. This is something that's very obvious, and yet God just hit me over the head with it a few weeks ago. And when I was working at um, the Christian camp that I've told you guys about when I was in high school and university, one of the things that we do, there's about five or six of us guys. This this was a day camp, by the way. So at the day camp, the kids would come Monday through Friday, and they'd come at 10, and they'd leave around 4, 4.30. And then the the counselors would hang out. There was about 50 of us. And we would would stay at the camp all week and hang out and do intentional um, discipleship and that sort of thing. And so it was really great great time. So one of those things that five or six of us would do is we would get up each morning early to go and pray. We'd get up about six and we would go and pray that the gospel would be shared with these kids, that God would open their hearts and their minds. We'd pray for each other and we'd pray for the kids and it was a, it was a fantastic, fantastic time. But one of the things that we had to pray for every single time was strength. See, because as a teenager, waking up at 6 a.m. when you had just been out in the hot sun with the kids all day, and then you had been hanging out in a group of friends all day night with just teenagers, right, where we did a lot of fun stuff and some dumb stuff and stayed up too late. Waking up at 6 was hard, 
we would have rather wake, wake up at 12, right? So we were about six hours before we wanted to be up. And so we had literally every day we had to pray for strength as we dragged ourselves out of bed to prayer. And in those moments, we watched God sustain us every day. You'd lie down on your bed at the end of the night just exhausted, but you could remember that God sustained you the day before. And we noticed when we didn't pray for strength, what happened? And so literally every day we'd pray and we'd pray and we'd pray, and then at the end we would always pray for strength. And God hit me over the head a couple weeks ago and said, why won't you do that anymore? You did it back then, and I sustained you every single day. Why are you not asking for it now? And so I was convicted of that personally. And I want to share that with you if you're in this place where you are tired. Pray for strength. Everything else in you would say, stay in bed for two more hours, stay till eight, roll out of bed, get breakfast and go. And yet, what actually worked was counterintuitive. It was getting up early to spend time with the Lord and pray and ask for strength. And so in our last little category here, before we close, I just want us to consider a couple of things. I want us to consider how to prepare slash guard ourselves as we consider the fact that weakness is inevitable. I came across an interesting quote from Daryl Dash. Um, It was an article in the Gospel Coalition, and he said something that I thought was very profound. I want to read it for you. He said, we need a theology of weakness, one that sees our fragility less as a surprise and more as an expected part of serving as followers of Jesus. We need a theology of weakness, one that sees our fragility less as a surprise and more as an expected part of following Jesus. We need to expect it so that Inevitably, when it comes, it doesn't derail our life and our faith. We get stuck in this mindset of thinking we're always going to be okay, and in the times that we're not okay, we're just going to project. And instead, what we need to do is we need to prepare for weakness and know that it's a natural part of being a human because we are human. We are not God, there's only one God. And yet so often, we, in this area, we can just sort of try to project as if though we were God, even though we're not. I think the other thing that we need to do as we think about this theology of weakness is we need to see weakness as an opportunity. The glory of God shines brighter through weakness in many cases. Right? When we do things that we are good at, God is definitely glorified. When we use our gifts in service to the Lord, he is glorified. I don't want to diminish that. But I don't know, I find this, I don't know if you agree with me, but I find God to be magnified when he uses something that we're not good at to accomplish something that he wants done. And I shared this story with our youth, so youth, I'm sorry, but it fit perfectly here. I went to high school with this one guy and he was a wonderful guy. He was very nice, um, but he was very shy. He would admit this. He was very shy. He was very awkward. He didn't 
like talking to people. He didn't really like words. He didn't like class presentations. None of that. That's not his cup of tea. And one day God called him to be a missionary. God called him to be a missionary in the Middle East. And so he went over to the Middle East and he learned Arabic in less than two years, which is just incredible to be fluent in Arabic that quickly. And he came back to our church and he stood up in the pulpit and he gave one of the most powerful sermons I've ever heard about what God did in his life and what God was doing through him and his family in the Middle East. And I sat there in the seat with my jaw literally on the floor because I knew beyond a shadow of the doubt that the man that I saw speaking up at the front, it was the Holy Spirit speaking through him. Because I knew his weakness. I knew he didn't like people. I knew that that wasn't his comfort zone. His comfort zone wasn't talking. His comfort zone wasn't being up in front of hundreds of people. His comfort zone wasn't in new languages or going to new countries. And yet I saw God move in his life in a way that could only be explained by the Holy Spirit. And that was a powerful, powerful experience. An absolute demonstration of God using weakness in us for his glory. And I wouldn't have had it any other way. Because I knew, when I listened to that sermon, I knew it was from God. And it was a beautiful, beautiful thing, and it stuck with me to this day. And so the first step in preparing for this, as we think about weakness, is knowing that we need to prepare, and that we can be expecting it. Right? We actually need to get our heads around the fact that weakness is a good thing. It's okay. God will use it. And so let's expect it. Let's expect that there's going to be times in our life where we are going to be weak, where we're going to be beaten down and tired, whether that's emotionally, physically, spiritually. And let's expect that in those moments that God's still going to move. And so just two things here to prepare. First one is to form good habits. Form good habits. You can turn with me to Daniel chapter 10 for a second. I picked this up um, from the great seminary of Facebook. Uh, and yes, I know I'm old because I have Facebook. A word of advice from um, a youth pastor to you if you think you are young and cool. Um, but if you have Facebook, you are old. It, it, it is an automatic, you are old if you have Facebook. So just know that up front and make peace with it. Let's take a look at Daniel chapter 10. This is something that my sister-in-law posted. I picked this out of that. Um, in, this, in this passage, Daniel is there, and they're about to write a decree that anybody who doesn't pray to the king, bow down to the king, praise to anybody else, they get chucked into the lions and they're executed, right? And so uh, we pick it up in Daniel 10, starting at verse 6. And this is what it says. When Daniel learned that the document had been signed, he went into his house. The windows in its upstairs room opened towards Jerusalem, and three times a day he got down on his knees, prayed and gave thanks to his God. Don't miss this. Just as he had done before. Just as he had done before. 
I want you to imagine what this would have been like. Daniel was friends with the king. And so when that document was signed, it would be like his world would become crashing down. And yet in his moment, where I'm sure he felt the emotional toll and the weakness, and he had so many thoughts spinning through his head, what did he do? He went and he prayed three times a day, just as he had done before. He formed good habits. Yes, you need prayer and Bible reading and community when life is good. They help you grow. They help you flourish. But you desperately need those things when life is hard and not going well. More Netflix is not going to pull you out of these difficulties. More book reading or sewing or gardening or time with family and friends or technology, whatever it is, is not going to do it. None of those things are going to pull you out of that pain. More time in your bed is not going to all of a sudden miraculously heal you from the exhaustion that you're feeling or that gap between your head and your heart that you're feeling. You need Christ. You need Christ. I need Christ. He is the only one who will renew your strength. So fight for good habits. Who's ever fallen asleep reading their Bible? Don't lie to me. We all have. Right? We all have. So we got to fight for good habits. So I'm just going to give you one example of that. If you're feeling tired, you're feeling exhausted, I want you to get up 45 minutes earlier than you do now. And I know it's counterintuitive, And I know it's going to be really hard, but it's worth it. It's worth it to give God the best at the start of your day if you're serious about this. There's a couple things that you can do to help. Here's some practical stuff, right? One of them is just very simple. It's go to bed earlier. Go to bed earlier in order to feel more rested. Um, I was reading an article by John Piper, so this is sort of a mix of his thoughts and and mine. One of the things that he said that I thought was very interesting is you can force yourself to go shopping when you're tired. Sometimes we always think, well, I'm not going to get all these things done. And so we try to get all these things done and then we try to fit God into the cracks. But we need to prioritize God and fit everything else into the cracks. They will get done. So you can force yourself to go shopping when you're tired. You can go to the grocery store when you're tired. I have definitely seen people online shop when they are tired. You can do it. But it's hard to force yourself to stay awake reading your Bible when you're just exhausted late at night. Give God your best. You can fit in the rest. It's true. And when you're waking up in the morning and you're really tired because it's really hard to do, because I'm not a morning person. This happens to me every day. I like snooze twice. Just set my alarm earlier just to know that I have to snooze. Um, Take a shower, wash your face, give yourself something to help wake you up a little bit. Um, Or if you're falling asleep reading your Bible in your bed or that comfortable chair, then for the love of all things good, don't read your Bible in the bed. If you keep falling asleep in the bed, stop reading your Bible in the bed. Don't pick the comfiest chair. 
pick that hard chair from your grandma that you don't even know why it's still in your house, sit on that and read. Or this one's from John. He said, what he'll do sometimes is he'll actually pick up his Bible, he'll stand up and he'll walk around. He'll walk around because it's very difficult to fall asleep while you're walking around. And so he will walk in circles reading his Bible so that he doesn't fall asleep as he contends for good habits. He contends for what he knows is good for him even when it's hard. This is John Piper. So I'd encourage you in that. Contend for it. If that's what you need to do so that you don't fall asleep, start walking in circles Reading your Bible. Make sure you switch directions so you don't get dizzy and fall over. But walk in circles. Contend for those things. Here's our last point. Choose to worship. When you are tired and exhausted, or when there's a gap between your head and your heart, when you want to be close to God and you just don't feel it, or when you know what you need to be doing and you just aren't doing it, wait on the Lord. And how do you wait on the Lord? You choose to walk in obedience. Letting yourself, I've heard it described as positioning yourself under the waterfall of grace. And part of choosing to walk in obedience is choosing to worship. I'm not just talking about music. Choosing to worship. Music too, but in your life. Even when you don't feel like it. And so this is the part where I would normally play you a song because I do love music. I think there's something about music that helps us to bear our souls before the Lord. And there's something very powerful about that. Um, so when, when we're done, I would encourage you um, to listen to I Choose to Worship by Ren Collective. Alyssa's linked it for you. And um, I would encourage you to do that. But I just want to read a few words from it as we close. This is what it says. I choose to worship. I choose to bow. Though there's pain in the offering, I lay it down. Here in the conflict, when doubt surrounds, though my soul is unraveling, I choose you now. I will praise you in the fire, through the storm and through the flood. There is nothing that could ever steal my song. In the valley, you are worthy. You are good when life is not. You will always and forever be my song. When the enemy says I'm done, I lift my praises. When my world comes crashing down, I lift my praises high. Till the darkness turns to dawn, I lift my praises. I choose to worship. I choose you now. And now we're going to choose to worship as we prepare for communion. So I want to encourage you, hopefully you've got um, stuff at home, bread, and wine, or grape juice. And um, just like we talked about before, if the house is having a rough grocery week and you've only got orange juice and Oreos left, um, just encourage you to sit this one out um, as we want this to be a time that's reverent to the Lord and keeping with what he's asked us um, to do and not substituting um, to that extent. We want to learn to wait on the Lord. As we consider the bread, which represents the body of Jesus, which was broken for us, I want you to consider something. 
Jesus said, I'm coming to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. If you're not a Christian, then you're not going to be able to experience this rest that we're talking about apart from God. This, this rest that Jesus promises us is only found in Jesus through peace with God by what he did on the cross, dying for your sin and coming back to life. For those of us who are believers who remember what he did for us here today, let's remember that Jesus is our place of rest. That is not your comfy bed. It's not Netflix. It's not anything else. It's because of what Jesus did for us that we can have rest. So let's remember his body broken for us. something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. You guys know it because I've talked about it more than once, but the blood of Jesus, which the cup represents, the wine and the grape juice, it represents life. It represents life with God. And I want you to know that life with God is that He has not abandoned you. He has not dismissed you. Wait on the Lord. He will give you new strength. He promises you life. Life with him to the full. Life that we get to experience here on earth imperfectly, but life that we will experience perfectly with him forever in heaven. And it's only because of the blood. So let's remember that this morning. We say thank you, Jesus, for dying for me so that I could have new life. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for your body, which was broken for us. Thank you for your blood, which was shed for us. Thank you, Lord, that you promised to be our strength. That those who wait on the Lord, that you, that we will gain strength. And that strength can only be found in you, God, we thank you that you are God who keeps his promises. Who is absolutely true. It's the nature of who you are that you would give strength to us. So I pray that we would stop looking for strength in other places. But God, I pray that we would run. Run to you. Run into the arms of our Father. As the one who gives us strength and wait. Wait for him to renew that strength his strength in us, in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon audio. For more resources or to connect with us, visit calvarygravenhurst.com.